Welcome to Crop Watch Podcast, a production of Nebraska Extension. Welcome to the Crop Watch Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Extension Educator Michael Sindelar. Today, uh, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Amit Jala, and we're going to be talking about uh, herbicides and weed control for the season. Hi, Amit. How are you doing this morning? Doing very well. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great. So have there been any issues with uh, carryover from the previous season's herbicide causing issues this season? Yes, particularly this year, we are seeing some carryover injuries of uh, pomesaphen-based herbicides applied last year in soybean. And this year we are seeing their carryover injuries in corn as well as uh, some SPPD-inhibiting herbicides, uh, for example, misotrion-based herbicides were applied last year in corn post-emergence, and then we are seeing some injuries in soybean this year. And this is particularly because last year, Mike, if you remember, there was early season flooding and then continuous rain, so growers were not able to plant on time, so planting was really delayed and I, I know some planting was made in end of June or even in July, some growers were planting their corn and soybean. So when planting was late, crop growth and development was late last year. And also the herbicide application was very late uh, in the season that generally, for example, post-emergence herbicides, we apply in the month of June if you plant in by the end of April or early May. But last year, yeah, some growers were even applying post-emergence herbicides by the end of July or sometimes in early August because planting was late. And this year it was completely opposite. The early spring was very great. Temperature was high in the month of April. So majority of growers were able to plant their corn and soybean by the end of April or even they started very early in the season like the first week of April and they were almost done by the end of April. So that created um, some issues with uh, reduced planting interval between last year's post-emergence herbicide application, which was late, and this year planting was early. So that created some issues of uh, reduced planting interval. And certain herbicides, for example, pomesaphen-based herbicides applied last year in soybean may require 10 months of planting interval. 10 months of planting interval um, between... uh, applying herbicides last year and planting corn this year. So that planting interval was not maintained and that has created some issues of uh, carryover herbicide injuries uh, this year in both corn and soybean. Oh, Matt, can you tell us what uh, those herbicide injuries looked at and roughly when they were expressed in the crop? Because I'm guessing that uh, some of those would probably have been a lot earlier in the season than where we are now. Or are we seeing some of those symptoms popping up now or being exaggerated now? Yes, if you see pomesaphen carryover injury in corn would look like um, a little bit of yellow strip uh, on the leaves of corn plant um, that are typical symptoms of uh, pomesaphen carryover injury in corn. And in soybean, uh, particularly with um, SPPD inhibiting herbicides, um, you will see some yellow color leaves of soybean and then Sometimes a little bit of white uh, bleaching you will also see on the new growth of uh, soybean. So those are typical symptoms of uh, both of uh, these herbicides um, with carryover injuries. So you talked about how dry and warm the spring was to to help get an early planting start. 
Uh, there's part of the states that have barely received three inches of rain since planting. How is that, uh, you know, rolling into a drought? How is that affecting herbicides and how effective those herbicides are? And then the, the last part, I'm sorry, multiple part question. Um, are there options to make your herbicides more effective during a drought? In last three years, um, drought was not an issue, but um, this year we haven't received much rain, uh, particularly in the end of June and in uh, July, basically, at least in South Central Nebraska, we haven't had rain in last uh, three to four weeks from now. So that has created some issues, uh, particularly with uh, performance of uh, post-emergence herbicides. Um, when weeds are under stress, even if it is water stress, for example, that is what we are seeing right now. Water hemp and palmer amaranth are under stress because of uh, lack of moisture. And so when weeds are under stress, and if you apply post-emergence herbicides, then overall absorption and translocation of the herbicide do not occur very easily. So the plant or herbicide will not perform very well. So this year, even in some of our research plots, um, uh, certain herbicides are not performing well. And that is, I believe, because of um, response of um, weeds due to water stress condition. And that's why we are seeing less than expected uh, weed control this year, particularly when um, those herbicides were applied when plants were under stress and they were not uh, growing healthy. And that affects the absorption and overall translocation and uh, performance of herbicide. And this is true for any type of stress, basically. And water stress is one of them. And in fact, I'm also getting questions from growers like my ex herbicide is not working well and it looks like I didn't apply or do you think I have this um, herbicide resistant weed but in most cases uh, either those herbicides were applied when weeds were too tall to be effectively controlled or number two they were applied when weeds were under stress particularly water stress and that's why the herbicide performance uh, has been reduced. So for the best uh, performance of uh, post-emergence herbicides, um, we generally recommend like better you wait a few days or if you have ability to irrigate your field, then maybe better you irrigate the field first and let the plants to grow healthy and then apply herbicide. Uh, but you also again need to make sure during this process, the weeds should not grow too tall because again, otherwise, your herbicide would work better, but because you apply that too late, that may also reduce the herbicide efficacy. So you need to be careful, like don't wait too long and uh, apply herbicide when plants are um, healthy and uh, growing well. Plus, including all the labeled adjuvants are also important because it helps with the absorption of those herbicides in the plant. So adjuvants are very important, uh, particularly uh, ammonium sulfate and some crop oil concentrate and methylated seed oil or non-ionic surfactant. So based on label, which one is um, labeled with uh, those type of herbicides. Uh, but again, you should not add ammonium sulfate with uh, dicamba-based herbicides um, applied particularly in soybean because those are prohibited. And if you, you do that, it increases the volatility of dicamba. Right. Well, you brought it up, dicamba. What are our options to replace dicamba if it's not going to be on the market for use in soybeans next year? 
I received phone calls from growers uh, this year as well as from some agriculture magazines um, about this and that is true. Um, before some time, um, U.S. Court of Ninth Circuit uh, has uh, cancelled the registration of uh, three dicamba-based herbicides uh, that include uh, Extendimax, Hexapan, and Engineer. And it is possible that um, those herbicides may not be available in the marketplace next year because the registration of those three products is expiring by the end of this year. And in fact, because of this court ruling, uh, US EPA made a notification that those products can be used only up to July 31st this year, or you have to apply within 45 days of planting, which, whichever comes first. So basically after July 1st, after July 31st, um, growers will not able to apply those three Dicama based uh, products, uh, Extendimax, Pexapan and Engineer. And so if those products are not available in the marketplace next year, then particularly in soybean, our control options um, will be just uh, using glyphosate-based herbicides for post-emergence weed control, and they may not work very well because we have at least uh, six weeds in Nebraska are resistant to glyphosate, and that include uh, waterhem, palmer amaranth, kochia, tail, common ragweed, and giant ragweed. So these six weeds have evolved resistance to glyphosate, and um, some of them are widespread, particularly waterhem, tail and Palmer Amaranth, uh, they are very widespread and you will see in several fields. So depending only on glyphosate will not help to control them. Um, so in that case, uh, particularly for post-emergence herbicides, you may need to use uh, some PPO inhibiting herbicides that are available in the marketplace. For example, Cobra, Ultra Blazer, Reflex, Flexstar, all those are great examples of uh, PPO inhibiting herbicides. And uh, another alternate will be if you plant uh, Liberty Link soybean, then you can use uh, glucosinate based herbicides such as Liberty or Interline or Cheetah. Those are um, some examples of uh, glucosinate based herbicides available in the marketplace. But you can only apply when you plant uh, Liberty Link soybean. You cannot use uh, Liberty or glucosinate-based herbicides in uh, dicamba-resistant soybean. All right. And so the best way next year will be do not rely only on post-emergence herbicides and you have to start with a good uh, pre-emergence herbicides, which should be a good uh, premix of uh, two or three herbicides. Uh, that will be a good start. And then they can come back um, when weeds are less than five inch tall, they can use any of the aforementioned herbicides. So that will be the good plan to start with because in soybean, we have really good uh, pre-emergence herbicides to start with. So you're saying next year, you may want to rely more or pay more attention to what you're putting down on your pre because that's maybe more important, especially if those three dicamba products aren't available for use in soybeans. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be my best recommendation is to start with a good pre-emergence herbicide and make a foundation for good weed control. All right. And um, just kind of a reminder, even though soybean-based dicamba or soybean, dicamba soybean products aren't going to be available, that doesn't mean that there won't be risk for dicamba drift through the season. 
because dicamba is used for other crops. Yes, dicamba-based herbicides are being applied in corn and also in sorghum. Um, so yeah, risk is there for off-target uh, dicamba injury issues. And that's why um, I always recommend to use uh, dicamba-based herbicides without uh, adding ammonium sulfate, um, even if you apply in corn. For example, in corn, there are a number of dicamba-based herbicides are labeled, uh, for example, Clarity, Status, Diflex, Diflex Duo. All those are great examples of dicamba-based herbicides being applied in uh, corn. So I recommend growers not to add ammonium sulfate uh, because, for example, this year we had several days, it was windy and uh, temperature was more than 90 degrees almost every single day in last month or so. And so when you apply dicamba-based herbicides, when temperature is very high and it is windy, then and also with ammonium sulfate, then it increases chances of uh, off-target uh, dicamba injury issues. It could be volatility. Uh, and so I recommend, even if it is a dicamba-based herbicides applied in corn or sorghum, do not uh, add ammonium sulfate. And I know this is a little out of your, your wheelhouse because you work with crops, but it's also a nice reminder to let people know that their dicamba is in a lot of um, over-the-counter readily available um, lawn care products. So, you know, pay attention to, if you're starting to see injury in your gardens, pay attention to what you're spraying. Um, and especially don't apply dicamba uh, when the temperature is going to be getting over 80 degrees onto your lawn, because that's going to have adverse effects to other stuff in your uh, growing area. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Um number of dicamba-based herbicides are labeled and being applied for broadleaf weed control in non-crop areas as well as in lawns and some other um, structures. Um, so it is uh, important to keep uh, all the best management practices so we can get uh, best out of uh, dicamba-based uh, herbicides applied. So earlier you mentioned your trials. Um, unfortunately, due to current events, we, you were not able to have your uh, weed field days that you would normally have. Uh, do you have any programming available to, to take the place of those? Uh, recently, we video recorded all the projects that we generally include uh, for the in-person uh, weed management field days, as well as uh, resistance with management field days. So this year we video recorded all of them and we were not able to conduct in-person field days and they are now available online. Um, if you go on CropWatch website or even on uh, our uh, webpage, uh, you will be able to see we have video recorded all the projects with my graduate students and uh, it is available uh, to see uh, free of cost um, and uh, those are great uh, information. So one field day we virtually recorded uh, at South Central Ag Lab uh, that includes number of projects for weed control in corn, soybean, popcorn. And um, another virtual field day is available that was uh, conducted at Grower's Field near Carlton. This Grower's Field has uh, Palmer amaranth, uh, which is resistant to atrazine, glyphosate, as well as uh, ALS inhibiting herbicides. So management of uh, this Palmer amaranth is challenging in corn. So we have conducted a number of uh, studies in growers field and um, those are also available online. We have 
really great um, projects, for example, how row spacing and herbicide programs can best um, control this resistant palmer amaranth in field corn. We also have a project uh, where we are evaluating number of early post-emergence or late post-emergence herbicides for effectively controlling palmer amaranth, which is not very ideal. We always recommend to apply pre-emergence herbicides, particularly for management of palmer amaranth because it can emerge throughout the growing season. So you have to start with a pre-emergence herbicides, but sometimes, uh, for example, last year, when growers planted their crops and it was raining continuously, so they were not able to go in the field. And by the time weather was cooperative, crops already emerged. So sometimes it happens when you do not have a chance to apply pre-emergence herbicides and then the post-emergence herbicides are only options for you. So under this condition, under worst case scenario basis, we have evaluated some early post-emergence or late post-emergence herbicides for controlling palmer amaranth in field corn as well as we also have a project about uh, controlling and comparing pre-emergence herbicides labeled um, in non-GMO white corn because post-emergence herbicides are very lim limited because you cannot use glyphosate or glufosinate-based herbicides in non-GMO white corn. And we have several non-GMO white corn growers, particularly in South Central Nebraska. Um, they are directly contract farming and they can get better crop price uh, if you compare with um, field corn. So we also have a project for them, which pre-emergence herbicides they can consider for applying in non-GMO white corn. So we have some interesting projects and they are all available online. All right, and just to remind people, those projects are available on the CropWatch website and on Ahmed's uh, research website. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today, Ahmed. I appreciate it. Hopefully we have a good growing season. Sure. Thank you, Mike. Have a nice day. You too. Mm -hmm.